with such a spirit of honor in this place. And where there's honor, there's always great release. Destiny comes because when we can identify each other and begin to see who we are and understand that everyone is worthy of honor. There's been so much dishonor in the, in the, the house of God and as Pastor Benjamin was saying, people not recognizing who is among you and not really recognizing who is in you. Because anyone that's stepped before me, if Jesus is in you, is worthy of the highest honor and praise. So I noticed that we know how to worship God afar off, but we really don't know how to worship him as he's living in your brother and your sister. We don't know how to submit to one another, the Christ in one another. But God is beginning to awaken that. I'm so thankful to have Pastor Benjamin and Sonny as my sons because they have become mature just as they were saying that we all must mature. And when I found out I have a spiritual father, and my spiritual father speaks into my life, he does all kinds of things. But he was not able to open doors that Pastor Benjamin and Sonny has been able to open for me and bring me into places that I would never have been. And so I recognize the power of mature sons that are fathers themselves and parents themselves. And there's many sons in this house that are mature, and you are coming alongside of uh, this man and woman of God, and you are uh, speaking and, and bringing things to pass that they need. See, I want to talk about the family of God and the power of greatness, but I need you to know what spiritual family is so that you don't get confused because sometimes because something has been abused we want to run away from it we want to throw it out and we don't understand that God doesn't do anything apart from his covenant and his covenant does not work apart from in the context of family God never promised anything to one man because everything that God promised could not be fulfilled in the life of one man and so he's, he's a generational God. He speaks to families that must steward things and treasures and mysteries that he gives. And so he never does anything outside of the family. And so we must learn how to be the family of God. We must learn how to work together. We must learn how to appreciate one another. We must learn how to, to submit to one another. And it hasn't always been easy because we've become so independent of Thinking that we can, we can possess the promises of God by ourselves. We've forgotten how to wait on one another. We don't know what family really is. If we're in a hurry to possess what we think God has for us, we'll run off from grandmother and granddaddy. Because they're too old and they can't keep up. And so we think that we are going to possess what God has for us by ourselves with our family. And so we don't worry about the slow ones. We don't worry about those that can't keep up. We'll run ahead because we've been taught that we've got to get ours. 
But God is beginning to bring about a new sound. And, and I can't, I, I understand it now. I can't possess my inheritance apart from you. So we need to look around and look next to us and see who's sitting by us. And we say, we cannot go in apart from you. It doesn't mean that you're going to always be in this place, but you'll always be in family. And we've got to understand what family really means. And so God is calling us to this place where we begin to see sonship. And we begin to steward the things that he's given us and, and the treasures that he's given us. Family must learn how to work together. Because God is calling us to learn how not only to work together, but how to fight together. So I got to know who is among me. I got to know what your gift is. And I got to know what you are doing. Oh, Father, I thank you and I praise you. I want to read this word to you this morning. It's a familiar word found in Psalms 127. It says, Behold, verse 3. 127 verse 3. It says, Behold children. And when I looked it up, it means sons, the builders. And I need to pause and, and tell you that the father is never building anything himself. He builds everything through his son. And he says, Behold children, our sons are, and we're talking spiritual. I know this house understands that. Or a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the sons of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Oh, my goodness, the power of an organized family. You know, anything that's organized becomes wealth, becomes valuable. The power of an organized family, and when we can see the greatness that, that my sons and my daughters or my children become weapons in my hands. They are so powerful that I'm not afraid to speak to my enemy. And I'm talking about any enemy. Because I have my sons as arrows. And I've learned how to aim them. And I've learned how to aim them to hit the mark. And I had to teach. And it's a shame that we have to teach how valuable we are. But we've forgotten the value that we are to one another. And we have to teach and always remind each other that we are valuable. And not only valuable, but great. He says, sons or children are an arrow in the hands of a warrior. Very powerful. That God's family we're about possessing things 
and taking things from the enemy. I want to, since we're having a family gathering, I want to have a family meeting. We need to do that because that's the only way you're going to get organized. What I've found out is as we gather together around the coffee table here, around the table, that the family of God has to get organized. We just have to do that. And what I've found out is that we, we're always trying to get organized in, 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 in this setting. I like to call it the third house. In, and we forget all about the second house, which is our family. I got that out of First Timothy, Timothy chapter 3. He's talking about the bishop, and he talks about his first house, which is his own body, and said he must have certain requirements about his own house, which is the temple of God. Then it talks about his family, which I call the second house, when he said if he doesn't know how to rule his house and he doesn't have his, his children is subject, subjected and, and in reverence, then he will not know how to rule the third house, which is the church of God. And so... What I've noticed as we are getting organized that, that we can try to organize in the third house, but most of the problem is in the second and the first house. You know, I, I, I come and I, I can listen to pastor talk about vision and about getting organized, and, and there ain't no vision at all in my own house. Matter of fact, it sounds good, but, but I am the most disorganized person in the world, and I'm trying to come in the third house and bring some order. And so as we, if we're going to be an arrow that hits the mark, we're going to have to learn where the problem is. You don't feel weak when you're in this house because most of the prayer, most of the vision, and most of the power is in this setting, in this church. You feel alone when you leave this place, isn't that right? When you get by yourself, that's when the tempter comes. And so we must get organized in the second house. I must begin to speak vision into your life. I must cause you to know how powerful you are even in your house. And I have to let you know what's in you. There is greatness in you and it's only the father's the parents that, that aim the children, it's not your fault when you don't hit the mark. The first thing, and I'm teaching you how to take responsibility. Somebody has to rise up and say that I'm responsible. You see, because God is not just looking at one generation. The Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That means that I must be thinking about my grandchildren. And I got to get order. I got to bring order in my life and whatever it takes. So I'm speaking to the fathers first. Somebody has to say I'm responsible. Because you are. We are the ones that have to aim our sons. And we can't be worried when it, le it looks like they are not hitting the mark. So many times we're just so worried and, and, and we don't have faith in our home to, to believe that you can command your house. 
Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you know what? It didn't matter if after he said that his children went buck wild. He knows that it is the, the foundation that must stay in place. I had to learn that the children can be all over the place as long as I don't move. God spoke to Abraham. He said, you walk before me and you be blameless and I'll bring to pass what I promise you. Somebody has to steward it and somebody has to believe and somebody has to do the work. Your first thing you got to do is get a vision for your second house, for your family. And it got to be a vision of greatness. You see, so many times we have this just getting by attitude. I don't know where it came from. Your God is not just a just getting by God. When he talks about his name, he says, I, I, I don't want you to, to, to despise my name. Remember, we're in a, a family meeting. Speaking out of Malachi now. He said, you dishonored my name. And they said, how, do, how have we dishonored your name? He said, you bring things that are blind and you offer it on my altar. Sickly? Do you know that the first thing we need to tell our sons and daughters is that we don't want to bring any reproach against the name of the Lord? So I got to be willing to tell you the truth even when you don't like it. Because one thing about family is I got to know, first of all, before I'm willing, before I, I, I can tell you anything, you got to know that I love you. And the reason why you have to know that, because there has to be some times when I'm going to tell you some things that you don't like. And see, the only person that will tell you something that you don't like is somebody that loves you. And that's why we have to come into this place in our household where we learn how to love one another and how to organize one another even when it's difficult because the first thing that will happen when you try to bring order in any situation, the first thing you're going to meet is disorder. And that used, that used to scare me to death. I'm trying to bring order and I just see all the disorder and so I said, let me leave this alone. But that's not how fathers are supposed to be. We have to understand that parenting is hard work. And so when you try to bring your family together, the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to say, we don't want to be bothered with this. But keep in mind, I can't bring order here until there's order in the house that's beneath. It just won't work. I got to make sure that you know how to believe God. You see, it should never be said in the greatness of the house of God, whether it's in your house or in the house of God, that the seed is begging bread. It should never be said that I need anything. Those things shouldn't be voiced in the house of the Lord in your family. You must understand.
understand that, that God is powerful and he, is, he, has, he has provided everything. Church, people of God, if I ask you what you need, all of you will have a long, long list of what you need. I mean, it would just go on and on and on, and then maybe you'll get into the point point where you start talking about what you lack or what you are missing. Almost everybody knows what they need, but very few people know what they have. They don't, they don't even think about what they have. They're always talking about what they need. And when you come into the family meeting and gathering, you got to access what's in the house. Not what you need. You can't be like that. Oh, church, if you don't know what you have, you're going to be in trouble. After you don't know what you have in your cupboard now. Every time you get ready to bake a cake, you go in and buy nothing egg. You're so disorganized that you don't know you have more nothing egg in your cupboard than Safeway have on their shelf. Every time you're going to get something that you already have because you don't know what you have, you're always thinking about what you need. This is a family meeting. I was getting ready to talk about tithing. You think it's about getting something in the church? It's chess. You think it's about lining the pastor's coffer? You don't know it's about the name of the Lord. You don't know that God is zealous about the greatness of his name and how we reproach it and how we diminish its value when we don't do what we should do. I told you that when you offer something that you don't want, you're diminishing the name of the Lord. And when the prophet was ministering, he was talking to the people of God. He was talking to the priests. And they didn't know that they, when they didn't acknowledge that God owns everything, they were dishonoring his name. They just thought they were just doing whatever seemed right in their mind. They, they, they didn't know that they were actually dishonoring God because they would not return to him what he required. Let me just walk in this place, family, because there's some that haven't decided that they want to so honor. Do you know that when we hold back the tithe, keep in mind that God has given you 100%. Man, he's too gracious. If you ask me, God is so gracious. And, and he said, show me honor to my name by returning the 10th percent. Just show me honor. 
don't rob me. I know some of you got this picture of somebody coming up on God with a 44 Magnum and taking his stuff. But it means don't defraud me. Don't cheat me. This is more like white collar crime. <laughs> where, where you're thinking how you can cheat God. I, I'm going to give him my, my least of what I can do. I'm, I'm going to do all of those type things. And he said, that dishonors my name. And he told him, he said... From the rising of the sun to the setting, the, the name of the Lord will be glorified. The, the name of the Lord is going to be magnified. He said, even beyond the borders of Israel, my name shall be glorified. And yet you are dishonoring me by not giving me the honor seed. Oh, praise the Lord. He gives you 90%. And I heard Pastor Benjamin deal with this, and I went right to my family, my house, and the house of the Lord that I, I serve, and I told them that we need to understand that the 90% is about stewardship. Oh, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? You see, we've been trying to get the heavens to open over the church. I'm trying to get the heavens to open over your house. The church belongs to God. And just as the man of God said, I've never seen where God didn't come through for his church. Into my third or fourth year, I stopped worrying about the church. Because I've never seen God allow the church to go without. I, I, I've never seen it. So this is all about, and this is what God is doing. He says, show me honor and I'll open the windows of heaven over you. No, he said, the floodgates of heaven over your family and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Oh, is this powerful stuff when you start to see that God is a God of family and he cares about you and his promises is to you and your house. And he says everything, I, I, I got to get you to understand I care about you so that you can, can pass down the inheritance to your children's children. And I tell you, the reason why I started to walk like I'm walking now, I don't, nothing is off limits for, from me because I started to think that spiritually as well as natural, I'm responsible for my grandchildren. I'm responsible, and, and, and God has entrusted me to make sure that they walk in the right way of the Lord. He says to Abraham, shall we reveal to Abraham what we're going to do? Since surely he shall become a great nation. And he said, I have chosen, or I have known him because he commands his children after him in the right ways of the Lord. And that's what is missing because we are trying to do it in this setting and we need to be doing it in our home. Wealth and riches have to be in your house. Greatness has to be in your house. God is saying, I want to open the windows, but you have to honor me. Don't hold back on God. We have to bring our children and say, look, 
You got to learn how to tithe. Before you do anything, my children, when, once they get a job, they know they have to tithe because they've seen the pattern. Oh, praise the Lord. You don't think you have the power to, to rule your house, but you do. You really do. God is speaking to us. He's saying uh, that, that, that children are like arrows in your bow. You're the one that's aiming them. You're the one that has the power for them to hit the mark. You got to believe that even if you shoot the arrow and it looks like that arrow is going like Jonah did. Oh, praise the Lord. God said, go to Nineveh. He said, no, I'm going to Joppa. The arrow turned and said, I'm going this way, but he yet end up where he was supposed to be. That's how God thinks. He's never worried. And I began to stop worrying about these things. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. God is wanting us to know how powerful the family is when it's organized. And that we start organizing the family in the first house, the man or woman himself or herself. Sometimes we are so double-minded in our own self that we can't find any agreement. It is, maybe it's not. It is, maybe it's not. In your own self. The first place we had to get organized is in our own life. Oh, praise the Lord. That's why I'm talking about getting organized. It, it, it starts within the, 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 the family. It starts within the father and mother or in the, in the individual leader of the house, member of the household. God said, if I can get the leadership to tithe, everybody to tithe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about in your house. I'm talking about in your family. I'm not talking about in this house. Your leaders tithe and do all the things, but he can't begin to do anything until you get organized in your house. So we have to learn. Let me say something nice. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We're talking about greatness, the power of greatness in the family. In Genesis 12, verse 2, this is very familiar. The Lord has called Abraham out and he said, I will make you a great nation. He said, I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. This is family talk. Before God ever blessed Abraham, he said he was going to be a great people. And in between, the the blessing is greatness on either side. He said, I'm going to make you great because God can only bless greatness. And so he makes you great. But how are you going to ever know you're great? If the fathers don't tell you, you're great. I'm not talking about what you've done. I've learned how to circumcise my sons and my daughters. I've learned how to separate them from what they do and tell them who they are. 
greatness doesn't just come uh, by, by people just discovering it. You have to tell your sons and daughters that they can do great things. You have to tell them. You have to tell them. You just go over. Am I helping anyone? Is this a celebration? You know, I'm talking to you about the next 10 years. And this is what we're talking about is that you want to mature. It only happens in the context of family. Because that is missing. No one is growing up. Everybody has an independent spirit. Everybody's trying to get theirs. And, 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 and after a while, it looked like it's right. That's why I said, you don't care about grandma anymore. She's too slow. She can't keep up. We have to leave her. Let's put her in a nursing home. Let somebody else take care of her when she took care of you. You see, this is what's happening in families. The parents sometimes don't care about the children. They're consuming everything that they, they get in their house, and they're not thinking about three generations. And then the children, they are dishonoring their parents, and they don't know that when they do that, it doesn't go well with them. So we have to bring all of that back. And get people into the place where they understand that the family is the only way we're going to see the power of greatness come to pass. I want to speak for just a moment out of Joshua 17 because I have a lot in my heart and we're going somewhere. But I have to touch everything, and the pastors are going to have to touch and, and bring, you know, clarity and all of that. But I want to speak to you. I want to just break some things, some patterns, some thinking. Because we think that God is a mediocre God. That's why we treat him like that. We don't do anything he's saying. We think he's going to care, and he's given spiritual parents. He's given natural parents, and he said, you train them. You train them. Don't let them grow up and do anything. You command your house. You bring them together when they're not doing right, and you tell them what they should be doing. Isn't that what Joshua did? I want you to hear when I read this, and I want you to think about yourself. I'm going to read from Joshua 17, beginning at verse 12. It says, Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. And it happened when the children of Israel grew strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not utterly drive them out. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit, since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? 
You see, God's people can know that they're great. But they always want to ask somebody to give them something. I mean, I'm a great person. We deserve more. Doesn't that sound like the house of the Lord? We deserve better than this. I would that men of God, fathers and mothers would speak like this. So Joshua answered them, if you are a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself that in the land of the parasites and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too small for you. We need to tell our children this. Sometimes we're too easy on them. We've tried to do so much for them. We, we, we want to try to give them vision for their second house and don't want them to go and get the vision on their knees. Nobody is telling them that, that after you get a vision, you have to get a plan. The Bible says you commit your plan to the Lord. Not my plan. Too easy. We're too easy because we're afraid of our own sons and daughters. We're afraid that they're going to leave us. When they're crying out for somebody, somebody to love me and, and, and correct me and somebody to believe in me, we don't even believe in our sons and daughters. We don't even believe in our sons and daughters. We don't believe they can do anything. best thing about having parents is you got to have somebody believe in you. Somebody that you know is praying for you. And somebody's going to tell you you can do it yourself. And you got to be willing to say it over and over and over and over again. How many of you have children? Do you just say anything once and they get it? Wow, that would be easy. Everybody, oh, wow, wow. Some of them don't do nothing, you tell them. It's hard work. But you've got to love them enough to bring them in and start talking to them about destiny, about greatness. You've got to love them enough. You've got to understand that God is holding you responsible for your grandchildren. i got to be able to look at your grandchildren. You say, well, I don't even have any children yet. Yeah, but I wish I had somebody that had told me this before I got married. Nobody called me around the, the table and told me that, that, that you can't give up. Look at it. It says, for the children of Joseph said, but the children of Joseph said, The mountain country is not enough for us. Isn't that the way we are? And all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. But those who are at Bethshean and its towns and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ethron and Manasseh saying, you are a great people and you have great power and you shall not have only one lot. Oh, praise the Lord. That's the boldness. 
the boldness. You got to tell the people until they believe it. You got to keep telling them they are great and that you can do great things. I want to tell you that great people ought to do great things. They should not have a low standard. You should have a high standard. And every time you reach that standard, I should raise it. Not lower it so that you can do your little stuff and feel good. He says, you shall not only have one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its farthest in extent shall be yours, for you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. God is challenging us. He is telling us that we can't give up. Do you know that the Bible says in Revelation 21, 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. The problem sometimes with the saints is that they don't want nothing. They don't want nothing. They just, just get me enough to get by. And don't understand that you gotta, you got to have an overcoming attitude. Just the suggestion that you have to overcome means that there's opposition that's coming against you. Around the coffee table, we're talking to you, and we're saying that this can't go on anymore. That anybody that come to me and they don't want everything that God has promised them, I'm saying, no, no, no. You got to straighten up. This is wickedness. This is evil. This is not righteousness. This is not righteousness. If God has promised you something, it's for your children's children. You got to be able to pass it down. You think I'm just talking about a name. God is calling us by his name. Some of you don't know that that the reason why there ain't no rain is because of us, that we are sitting here and we have not done everything that we sh could do to honor his name. And the windows of heaven should be opening up, but we... I sure be glad when it's raining, start rain, because we sure could use some rain. Don't have any idea that it's his people that's called by his name. You're called by his name, and, and I tell you, you should be able to reveal the, the God whom you are called by, by the glory and power of your persistence to bring everything that he promised to you to pass. He says, you will be, he will be your God. And you will be his sons. God really is serious about family. He's really serious about family. He said, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. He knows that when you organize the family and when the family began to reflect his glory. I tell you, the king, the kingdom ought to reflect the king. And we ought to see a glorious kingdom. Wherever you have authority, it ought to reflect a glorious king. And yet we just struggle just to get by. 
and everything is all right to say what you need and nobody's challenging you to say what you have and begin to press in to develop. Don't you know that was the same thing that, that the prophet, when, 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 she, when he met the woman of the sons of the prophets and she came and she said this to the prophet Elisha, she said, you know my husband feared the Lord. Yet, the creditors are coming to take away my sons because your servant died. I want you to hear this. Because just because you know the promises, you may not be walking in it. Because maybe you're not willing to overcome anything. Maybe you're not willing to do anything. And I know you've been hearing the word of the Lord that for those who fear the Lord, that his sons or his children shall be mighty in the land. And you have heard that wealth and riches is in their house. But here is a, 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 a prophet that had feared the Lord. The wife came and said, you know my husband feared the Lord. And yet, Instead of being mighty in the land, his children are in almost to be sold into slavery by creditors coming to get him. Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? But you know what he said, the prophet? He said, what do you want me to do for you? And then he said, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? I want to point out that Elijah wasn't operating like Elijah did. You know, he met a widow in Zarephath, and he asked for some water, and he asked her, to make him a cake with the little meal that she had. First generation sometimes have needs. But by the time of the second generation, Elisha is not asking for anything. It's what can I do for you? This is powerful. It is shifting your mind that, that things change and, and you got to change with it. And he asked her, what? can I do? And he said, what do you have in your house? And she said, a jar of oil. What do you have that you think is just a jar of oil? As fathers, we have to tell you, I'm gathering you around and I'm telling you that God, he works in the supernatural and the natural. He works with what you do, and when you do it, the supernatural kicks in because it intersects in the natural. He told her, you go and gather all the vessels you can gather. Then I want you to go into your house and close the door behind you. And as soon as they did that, that jar of oil, a supernatural thing came about. And the, the Bible says that, that, that 
when she when he came back, when she came back to him, he told her, go and sell that oil and pay off your creditors and live off the rest. What do you have in your house? But more important, you can fear the Lord and they can be coming to get your children if you don't stand up. If you don't stand up, sometimes we don't, we, we're so afraid that we won't say what we know to be true. This woman knew Psalm 112. She knew it and she came to the man of God and she said, my husband feared the Lord. You know he did. We have to do that. We have to ruffle some feathers. We can't just do what we've been doing. We can't just say, oh, we want to be friends with the enemies. It said, you will not be afraid to talk to your enemies in the gate. When you have your sons on the same page, when you see the house of the Lord is powerful in your family where there is no lack because it, it just ain't right. It just ain't right. David said it wasn't right. David said, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. I've never seen the righteous begging for anything. And it's a shame when you're begging even on Facebook. This should never be. It should never be. And I'm in the house saying, I don't ever want to hear the people of God begging for bread. It just shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Because you're too great. You just don't know what you have. You're always looking for what you need. It just ain't right. And you don't want to overcome anything. This would be the first thing that I tell my children that in, when, you, when you come into the kingdom, when, when the Lord started living in you, it has changed everything. And you can't always choose the easy route. It wasn't the pattern that Jesus had. You know, if I'm going to be born and I have a decision to make on where I'm going to be born, I'm not going to be born in a manger in a stable. I'm going to make it easier. I'm not going to be from a town that everybody is talking about. I'm not going to be from Nazareth. I'm going to be from some high-class place. I'm going to be born in a palace. I tell my sons that you've got to be able to overcome. You've got to know that, that, that who you are, even when you're born somewhere where, where it doesn't seem like you can make it, you've got to understand that God only put you there because he gave you the power and the gifting and the greatness to overcome it. You didn't choose where you were born and what family you were born in. And sometimes we are born in not a nurturing family. Sometimes we were born in a family that treated us bad. But God said you must, have to, you must learn how to overcome whatever situation that you're born in. you got to understand that, that, that Jesus had to go through places. He didn't make it his home. He didn't make it his, his destination. He had to go. The Bible said he had to become poor so that you can become rich. He had to become sick so that you can become well. He had to suffer rejection so that you can be accepted. He had to overcome everything. And his, and his testimony was, I have overcome the world. And we don't want to go through anything. Yet we want to be called by his name. And when we get into sickness, we think it's something strange 
happening to us and not understanding that God has caused us to walk through it. When we go through a time where we have financial difficulties, we are ashamed. We don't know that God has caused us to walk through it, to overcome it. If he had to walk through it, then I should be more than willing. But the problem is we don't understand the author and finisher of our faith. We don't know how to look to him who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy. Can you see the vision of where God said you're going to come? You know, in Psalm 66, it says, we have come through the water. We come through the fire. We came through men rolling over our heads into rich fulfillment. You're not going to get into the large place, wealthy place, unless you go through something. But you've got to learn how to keep your eyes on the joy. He said he endured the cross. You can't get around it. I, 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 I used to try to get around it. And I used to try to help my sons and daughters get around it. You know, whatever, I would jump in and try to rescue them. And, and I found out that they're weak. They're weak. They're weak. They don't know how to overcome anything. I rescued them. I can't allow them to, to fight and, and believe God. And I got to jump in there and give them a couple of dollars. And pretty soon, they're living off of a couple of dollars. Give them $100 a month, helping them. And tw- five years later, they're still living off of $100. This is hard, but I, I know it's right. I, I've tried, I've tried to, 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 to help people in the second house. And every time I go in the second house, I, I've overreached. I've overreached my boundaries. I'm in somebody else's house. They, I have to empower them to have authority in their house. And I keep speaking to you. You do it. You bring order. You bring uh, the, the, the wealth. And you discover the wealth that's in your house. Not another day shall you live by $50. You're too great. You, you have too much greatness in you. Uh, you deserve more than that. You deserve, you know, it was a sin to deserve more. But, but Joshua said, yeah, you do deserve more than that. If you are great people, you got to reflect greatness. you got to reflect it. So what did Jesus do? He set the joy before him. He endured the cross, but he despised the shame. So many of you don't know how to despise the shame. You're welcome. If you're sick, you just start saying, my, my uh, diabetes, my, my arthritis, my this and that. But Jesus despised it. You know what despised means? He looked down upon it with contempt, with hatred. He didn't remove himself, but he didn't like it. There's no way that I can grow accustomed to liking shame, humiliation. And we think that Jesus went through it for his whole life. It was for a short moment. And then he said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down willingly. He never gave his greatness up or his authority or his power. And we give ours up so easy. 
Church, I'm getting you ready for the next 10 years, and, and you, you can't. Uh, I, I can't do more than this. Uh, I, can't, I can't have it because you, you, you're a big baby. You can't be a big baby in this house. You've got to begin to overcome some things. I've got to stop and not work trying to rescue my sons and daughters. I'm not helping you. I'm not helping you. You got to understand that just because you go through something, you don't have to take on its identity. You are king. You are king even when you're born in a manger in a stable. It didn't change who he was. It's only when we start to think that I'm nothing more than a, than a, than a, than a, a stable hand. When we begin to call you around the table, we begin to talk about these things. They're not nice things all the time. It's telling you some nice things, but it's saying this is what you have to do. You've got to be willing to overcome. You want everything or you don't want anything. And you're not going to be a part of this family and not want anything. You're not going to be a, a part of this family and you sleep till 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock. You, no, don't tell me you work. Don't tell me that you can't serve the Lord and, and work a job. And I tell you, I cannot, I cannot make my sons into hirelings. I can't make you into a hireling. I got to teach you that sons serve the house for the inheritance. Oh, we got to go back to that. I, I remember when I was growing up on a farm before I ever inherited the farm. My daddy made me work on the farm. Uh, and I didn't get an allowance. It, it was an honor to work and sow into my inheritance before I ever received it. I, 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 and that's forgotten in the family. We, we want to get paid and, and we make our sons into hirelings and, and that they can't do anything because they don't know that they need to learn how to sow into their inheritance. That's why you don't do anything in your home. If you don't get paid, you don't do it. You see, if you don't get paid, and then we say, well, I'll give you, I'll give you an allowance to wash the dishes. No, this is your inheritance. You got to learn how to serve for the inheritance. No, I'm not going to make you a hireling. I'm not going to make you think that you get paid for everything you do in the house of the Lord. You got to, you got to sacrifice. You got to get up a little earlier. Oh, praise the Lord. Men of God start churches and, and, and they think the church is able to take care of them. But not like you, you, you started, but you had an inheritance. Man, I never seen anything like this man. He starts and, and paying rent five or six thousand dollars a month, I think it was, a week. Eight thousand I said, My goodness, it blew my mind, but I couldn't say anything. Because sometimes you want to tell them, say, son, you do you know what you're doing? But it's the sons that know how to move things. But some of you, you're looking for ministry, but you want to get paid. And we can't do that. Can't make you a hireling. This is too valuable. I, I want you to pass this down. 
That's how Benjamin and Sonny was able to, to get an inheritance to start because their, their grandparents were, were thinking about them and wasn't thinking about themselves. And so when we begin to walk like that, we begin to say some things that may sound different and, and we, we, we are pushing you. It's just to push you to maturity. Remember, it's the fathers that are aiming you. The only reason I'm speaking like this, I know I would like to have a nice hootie hoot meeting too, but I'm responsible for you. You are my grandchildren. You're my grandchildren, and God's going to hold me responsible. He said, what did you do? Did you aim them right? No, I was afraid I was going to lose one or two. (laughs) I was really afraid. So I didn't make him accountable. I didn't say, no, 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 you're not going to grow up like this. This is how my daddy did. No, you're going to work. You ain't getting anything. I learned that family, and we had to work together. We couldn't just be doing whatever we want. We, I couldn't just do, come in when I wanted to. There was order. There was command. He said, yeah, no, you think it's nothing, no order in the family? Yes, it is. That's why you don't see the wealth in it, because anything that's not organized is not worth anything. It's not worth anything. So when you call your family and you say, we're getting ready to get organized because we got to learn how to overcome. We got to learn how to walk through things. We got to learn how to fight. And we're, gonna, we, we're not going to be afraid of any enemy. See, so, pe- so many people are afraid of the devil. That's all they talk about is what the devil is doing. What is God doing? What is the Lord doing? You bow down to everything, every circumstance, and you have no strength. You, you can't do anything. You get tired quick. Oh, praise the Lord. The next 10 years, you're going to aim your children. These children and sons, the mature ones, the children are going to become weapons. Why do you think the devil fight the family so much? Don't you know that as long as you don't possess your inheritance, he gets to use it. Everything that you are not possessing, he's right there right now telling you, you don't need this. You don't need it. And we have become people that don't want much. Our prayers is just get me just enough. All I want is enough. I think it's because we don't want to fight the fight of faith. And I think we have been, I'm talking about myself. I, I made it so easy for my sons until they get so weak. And just any little thing. But when the sons become arrows, when they become weapons, polished arrows, when they become mighty and powerful, like Isaiah 49, where Jesus said he was a shaft, he was an arrow in the quiver, and he felt at times that he had labored to no purpose and no purpose. But God said, I'm increasing you. Not, not only shall you be the glory of Israel, your people, you're going to be a light of nations. So the arrow is aimed by the Father. Even when you get tired, I've aimed you. I know you're going to hit the mark. 
That's what I'm doing today. It's, ru- it's work. It's work. It's work. It's work. It's, it's polishing it. It's polishing it. It's correcting it. It's looking at it and, and talking to God about it. He's believe, is believing in you. It's saying, no, you're going to make it. And I'm not going to rush over with a, with a bag of grocery too fast. I, I, I got to restrain myself. It hurts me, but I can't do it because I can't get you dependent upon a bag of grocery when greatness is in you. I got to tell you, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What can you do? I got to raise you up. You can't be afraid to to take some chances, some risk. God wants you to step out in times and and be who he called you to be. Oh, praise the Lord. Let me stop. Let me stop. The young people are saying, when is he going to (laughs) stop? The older people are saying, keep on going. We need somebody to be in the house, be in the house, be in the house. And I know I'm in the house. I know I'm in the house. And so many of you have been bickering among yourself. I could hear it in, in, in my dream. In my, in my, as I was asleep, I woke up with all of the stuff going on. It was a lot of stuff. The enemy is trying to cause you to, to be against one another in your homes. But God is saying, no, he's coming and, and he's getting ready to show you who you are. And you're not going to submit to that arguing with your wife. Your wife arguing with you. And you started because you're getting ready to organize. You're getting ready to organize. He's afraid of organize. He's afraid of order. He likes disorder. He likes a rebellion. The moment I start dealing with rebellion and calling for obedience, rebellion shows up. So I said, I'm not going to stop, even though I'm hearing all of this in the spirit. I'm hearing all of the things going on. We're going right for the, we're going right for the heart, right for the heart, because it's too good to, to allow you to be disorganized for this long. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's... Let's just praise him. Let's praise him. You know, David said in First Chronicles 29, verse 10, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. This is your God. Behold your God and behold his people. You are a great people because your God is great and you have not known it. But I'm speaking greatness into you and I'm speaking order into you and there's nothing that you can't do. Everything you set your hands to do, you will do it. And there's nothing that will be withhold. The building that God has for you, it will come out of organizing the second house. Because the families are going to begin to be even more enriched in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen.